Welcome back. We're in Genesis chapter 48, verse 12. Let's go, Genesis 48, 12. So Joseph brought them from beside his knees, and he bowed down with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim, with his right hand towards Israel's left hand, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near to near him. So we've got, here, here's the players right here. We've got Jacob, who's also known as Israel. That's the father of the 12 tribes, father of Joseph. And we've got jo- two of Joseph's sons, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim. And he had these with the Gentile woman. And Israel is basically saying, I've got 12 sons. I want to adopt these two children as though they were my own. So it's as though I have 14 sons, though we always refer to the 12 tribes of Israel. And you can listen to the former podcast uh, about that. And so he's basically making these two sons his own. Verse 14, Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. So notice that word right there. It says guiding his hands knowingly. So he knows exactly what he's doing. But we learned in the verses prior that he has bad eyesight. But somehow he knew which was which. He knew who was the older, who was the younger. Usually older gets the the blessing, the double inheritance, stuff like that, right? But he's doing the opposite. So let's read more. Verse 15, and he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let my name be named upon them and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So he's blessing uh, Joseph right here. And he's notice who he's calling on. He's calling on God. We should always call on God. He's saying, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. So he's recognizing and kind of bringing to light, I'm not the first person to walk with God in my family. My father Isaac did. My grandfather Abraham did as well. There was dysfunction. There were things going on in the relationships. Uh, Jacob deceived his father Isaac, and yet here he's praying to God because he was not a perfect person. Isaac was not perfect. Abraham was not perfect. They had moments of doubt. They had moments of uh, sin. You and I have moments of doubt. You and I have moments of sin. But the key is, do we still call upon the name of the Lord? Do we think we are in charge, or do we trust that he is in charge? Do we think we got here by chance and circumstances over billions of years, or do we understand that there was a God, the Creator, and that he loves us, and that he will forgive us, and it's not based on our deeds, it's based on what he did, that he died on the cross for our sins, and his blood will wash us clean. The second part of that, verse 15, says, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day. So he's recognizing and attesting the fact that God has provided. Now, this could have been hard for him to say, right? Now we're 17 years into living in Egypt, and he was in the land of Canaan, in a famine, and they were starving, right? So here he's saying, God fed me all my life long to this day. How does he say that? He went through a famine. He didn't have enough food to eat. They had to go into Egypt. They're, you know, hated, sworn enemies to go and basically beg for food. And they had to move there. So how does he say God fed me? Because God sustains. Even when we don't have what we think enough from a worldly standpoint, God is going to use those circumstances to conform our character to build us up, to test us, to see if we really love him or we love ourselves, if we're relying on him or if we're relying on ourselves. Verse 16, the angel, and it's capitalized there, 
rightfully so, because that's referring to God, to Jesus, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. That is the story of the gospel right there. Jesus redeems us from all evil. How? How does he do that? Once you accept that Jesus is your Lord, you accept that he died on the cross for you, that he took the punishment that you deserve, but he didn't, but you couldn't pay for. He redeemed you. He restores you. He declares you to be righteous, not but because you're righteous, but because when God the Father looks at me and looks at you, if you're saved and born again, then he sees Jesus covered in the blood of Jesus, but made white as snow. Right? It's an awesome thing. And that's it. He's the Redeemer. Right? He, if someone um, gets kidnapped, and the kidnapper calls and says, hey, I'll return your son, but you got to give me a, uh, you know, the ransom is a million dollars, whatever it is. Well, we were kidnapped, kidnapped by the devil through our sin, because he tempts us, we were born into sin, and we've done plenty good, fine on our own, sinning on our own. Most of us sin every single day. I'm sure that I do. And yet God came in and he said, I will pay the ransom. And the devil's like, you can't afford this ransom. He's like, I got this person that you created. I got them. They're mine. They're going to be with me forever. And God says, no. He says, I'm going to pay for the ransom. What's the ransom? Not like he's actually asking the ransom. This is me in my own head. And the devil's like, that's, you know, a trillion dollars. It's a hundred trillion dollars. It's a quadrillion, you know, with 20 zeros to the power of 20 zeros, a hundred zeros, a million zeros, whatever. And God's like, I got it. I can pay for all of that with my own blood. I, God, will die for that person. He's our redeemer. He, he is our ransom. That's who, who Jesus is. And all we have to do is accept who he is. And we will, we will be born again. And the Holy Spirit, who is God, will come and live inside of us. Then it goes on to say, so it says, The angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let my name be upon them. And the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So he's continuing um, what kind of the promises have been promised by God. And he's just kind of proclaiming that upon these children, uh, who are grandchildren actually, but now they're, he's adopting them as children. Verse 17, Now when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he's blessing the younger one more. Now what's interesting is Jacob was blessed, right? Jacob is Israel. He was blessed over his older brother Esau. Because Jacob stole his brother's birthright. So maybe, maybe he was biased towards the younger. Remember his dad was going blind, Isaac, and he, he put the fur on him and he went in and he's like, hey, I'm Esau, bless me. And he was tricked and deceived, or he deceived his father, so Isaac was tricked and deceived, and he ended up blessing him. And so maybe he's like, you know what? I'm going to bless the younger because I was the younger and I was the one who got the blessing. So... Here Joseph's tribe would not be getting the double inheritance as far as land was concerned, which was typically reserved for the oldest son, which would not be Joseph. 
And I'm wondering if this brought PTSD to Joseph to think about the reaction of his own brothers when they found out. Right? So, pretty interesting to think about. Um, because of all that's going on, all the trauma in Joseph's past, right? We, we have so many opportunities to dwell on the trauma from our past and let it haunt us, or we have the opportunity to rise above it and say, that's in the past. God allowed it to happen. He caused it to happen. Either way, he's sovereign. I trust his plan. I want to trust his plan, and I want to live for today, and I don't want to let things of the past get me, but there's still trauma in some of our past that will come back and will get triggered by different things. I know it because I personally get triggered by different things, and God rises up and he's like, forget about that, move on. Um, verse 19, but his father refused and said, oh, we read this, I know my son, I know he shall become a people and shall also be great. Verse 20, so he blessed them that day saying, by, by you Israel will bless, saying, make God, may God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am dying, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you one portion above your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. So his father is blessing him. Joseph himself is a younger uh, brother, right? He's uh, younger than most of his brothers. Benjamin is younger than him. And he's going to, he, got, he just says, I've given you one portion above your brother. So he's getting the double portion. Wow. So his brothers, you know, he could, he could be like, Dad, I'm getting this. He's like, my, the, my younger son just got the double portion. Now I'm getting the double portion. And my brothers are going to be so mad, Dad. They're going to they're gonna try and kill me again. They're going to sell me to slave traders. I can't imagine the, the thoughts that were going through his head. Or he could have just said, Sounds good, Dad. I've trusted God through all this, and look where it's got me. I'm good. Whatever you need to do, you do, and I'll just trust it, and I'll trust that my brothers aren't going to be covetous and jealous like they used to be. And hopefully over time, we sin less, we become less jealous, less angry, less covetous, less idolatrous, um, less spiteful, anything. Whatever riddled us from our past, we want to exhibit less of this, less and less of that as time goes on. Sometimes it'll rear up its head. We'll take a step forward and then two steps back and then a step forward. But God is with us and he can help us uh, conquer that sin. He can help us reduce that sin. But when we sin, it's not because of God, it's because of our own flesh. Lord, help us to understand who you are, to trust you, to trust you with our circumstances, to not complain or moan or look back in the past, to not worry about what other people think, but what you think, to spend our time worshiping and honoring you, not worshiping and honoring ourselves and not trying to live up to someone else's standards, Lord. The benchmark to get into heaven is not our neighbor, and it's certainly not the person who we think is just awful and can't get to heaven, so we're going to do better than them, so we're going to make it. The benchmark is you, God. Are we perfect, holy, and righteous? In our, on our own, we're not. But when covered with the blood of Jesus that makes us snow white, then yes, we are. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for how easy it is to get into heaven by your, by your grace. And we thank you for that. Amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfoliopertectionstore.com. 
The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.